Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose, and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted a ripping imprint of boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill their promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had men and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer. Because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard I'm Ryan Gable, 
and you are listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. To contact the show, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. Find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings. You can also find The Fringe FM on Facebook as well. Just search The Fringe FM. My personal Facebook page, Ryan Gable, R-Y-A-N-G-A-B-L-E, Ryan Gable. And the website, www.thesecretteachings.info, where you can find our full show archive, montages, news, books, and more, all at www.thesecretteachings.info. Tonight's show is a little bit nostalgic for me might be nostalgic for some of you. It's called, I came up with this name over the weekend, Birth of a United Nations. You know, like birth of a nation, but birth of a United Nations. You might not know this, but the birthday of the United Nations is coming up here in October, sometime around Halloween, officially The United Nations was formed on October 24th of 1945, 75 years ago, 75 years since the foundation of the United Nations. Some people like the United Nations. Some people don't really know what the United Nations is. I know here in the United States, there are a lot of people who don't even know what the three branches of government are. I don't know if, uh, you know, the average American even understands, uh, you know, how how government works at all, considering the fact that I, I was driving in the car the other day, not listening to NPR this time. I was not listening to NPR, but I was flipping around the stations and this news, it was like six o'clock in the morning. So there's some there was some news on and it said something like the average American the percentage they gave in a in a study or what do they call them, like a survey. Like 80% of Americans believe that we should wait until after the election to decide the next Supreme Court justice. And it's like, well, I don't really care what the American people perceive is the right policy or the right decision to make because that's not how things work. But if you convince the average person that like, oh, well... You basically make it illegal for one political party to take office. You, you you create this mindset that if there's a Republican in office and if they're white, they've somehow done something illegal. Then it doesn't really matter what the Constitution says or what the law of the land says, because 80 percent of Americans believe that. that. Those polls and it's just it's just all fabricated just to give you this false perception of reality. And for a lot of people, that's really what the United Nations is. It's a false sense of security and reality. I mean, I really don't know anybody who even knows what the United Nations is, though, to start off. I I don't really know many people that know what, again, the U.S. government is. I don't know many people that have even, you know, taken or at least understood what they learned in civics. I mean, I'm not a a civics professor or a teacher, but, I mean, the, the, the level of knowledge is just basically little to none. So, of course, you start talking about things like that, like the United Nations, and it just goes right over the average person's head. They have no clue what you're talking about. And then you start talking about roundtable groups and the CFR and the Trilateral Commission. 
And this is what gets nostalgic for me. Then you start hearing those things like, I'm thinking that's just a conspiracy. Well, well, actually, you're right, Sherlock. It is a conspiracy. It's been a conspiracy since the early 20th century. Do you know who Cecil Rhodes is? Do you know that Cecil Rhodes was literally funded and received funding from the actual Rothschild family? And I saw this other story. It was back in 2015, but it was on Facebook last night. People were sharing it. And it said, there's a crazy conspiracy theory that the Rothschild sunk the Titanic in order to do blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, that, that there is a conspiracy there because three of the richest men in the United States who opposed the creation of the Federal Reserve were on the Titanic when it sank. And it was owned by White Star Line. And J.P. Morgan had a giant suite at the top of the ship. And J.P. Morgan decided at the last minute he wasn't going to get on the ship. And then the ship goes, and they had orders to go full steam ahead under all circumstances, and they maybe hit an iceberg, I don't know, whatever happened, the thing sank. And maybe this was one of the greatest cover-ups in the history of the world. You sink the Titanic and kill thousands of people to make sure three people in particular are dead. Kind of like, I think it was, yeah, it was Sherlock Holmes, where they're having like some international meeting of heads of state, and one guy gets shot in the head, but then they also detonate a bomb. They blow the whole the whole place up to make it look like a terrorist attack. But really, the whole thing was orchestrated so that they could kill one. I don't know what he was like an ambassador. Or he was he was something. He was a you know somebody important. But they shot him to make sure he was dead, and then to cover up the murder, they killed everybody. Maybe that is what the Titanic was. I, I don't know, but that's. It's a possibility when you actually read about it. It's really interesting. When I first heard that like 10 years ago, I thought that is insane. Because I don't know what it was about the Titanic as a kid. I had a fascination with it. So I was, I was always reading about the Titanic. I had like books on the Titanic and things like that. And yeah, I mean, I watched the Titanic and there was that boob scene. So, you know, as a young boy, I was into the Titanic for the boob scene. Uh, otherwise, I, I don't really like the movie that much. But I like to read in the books about it. And uh, I like to learn about it that way. You know, I get nostalgic because when I think back to how I became interested in a lot of the things we talk about on radio, one of the first things I read, one of the first things I learned about what, what were like the roundtable groups and uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group. I mean, you heard probably more about these types of things even 10, 15 years ago. Now, I don't have the perspective to give you a totally unbiased, objective analysis of it because I, I'm only 29 years old. I was born in 1991. In 2004, 2005, somewhere 2005, 2006, somewhere around there, you know, I, I remember all that I was interested in was hockey. I was watching the, the, the Stanley Cup finals. Tampa Bay uh, played Calgary, and we had that crazy goaltender in Tampa, Nikolai Hobby-Bullen. I remember watching that in, like, 2004, and Tampa just won the Stanley Cup again against Dallas. Second Stanley Cup, so that was kind of nostalgic for me to think about that. And it was, like, years went on, and, uh, I, like, 2008... 2007, 2008, I started to get really into, I mean, I dressed up like aliens for Halloween as a kid, but I got really into reading this book series by Robert Doherty, which is a pen name, 
and it was called Area 51. I think there were like 12 books. It started out with a prequel book, like uh, I think it was called The Rock. And uh, then it went on to like 11 or 12 other books, culminating in a book called Nosferatu. And it was all about Area 51. It was a fictional story. But I was just immersed in that. And then I started to uh, branch out and learn about other things. And when I started doing radio, and I started to meet other people who were interested in the subject matter we were talking about on radio, it's like a crash course in both world history and what you might call conspiracy. You, you, you have to learn about the roundtables. You have to learn about the so-called secret societies. I'm not talking about the Masons, per se. I'm talking about CFRs like a secret society. The, the Trilateral Commission is a secret society. The Bilderberg Group's a secret society. And, of course, the League of Nations was a, was a global conspiracy, a monumental conspiracy, the goal of which was to unite the world in a league of unified collective uh, nations. And then after the League of Nations was destroyed, was, was not accepted, then you have a period of time in which tensions build. We have the Second World War, and then we have justification in 1945, October of 1945, just a little bit more than two months after the World War, uh, the after World War II ended, little little bit more than like two months, then you have the establishment of the United Nations, and so the UN comes out of World War II, and the League of Nations would have come out of World War One, but you have to go back further and 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 recognize that there was a literal conspiracy from the founding of the Federal Reserve to the League of Nations to the Treaty of Versailles after World War I, or Versailles, I'm not sure how you pronounce it in, in French, I'm horrible at pronunciation, uh, but you have this, this syndicate, you can call it a cabal, but you have this syndicate, you have this group of people that have been trying to unite and bring together the world, which sounds like a wonderful, amazing, peaceful thing, but unite and bring together the world and their motivation is always about peace and sustainability and justice and equality. And, and the thing is, this is where it can get confusing. There are things that the United Nations might do today and may have done, you know, if there was a League of Nations back in the early 20th century, you know, pr prior to the UN, there were things that these, these groups would have probably done that were very actual, actually beneficial you know, whether that's providing clean water or providing, you know, food or some type of resources, it might not be the best food, but there were things and there are things that these international bodies might do that sound good. And they might be good. But fundamentally, the flaw with a League of Nations or a United Nations, as we come up on the anniversary, the 75th anniversary of the UN, the flaw is like a ship. It's like the Titanic, because what happens is if you don't compartmentalize the ship and you hit that iceberg and the water rushes in, you don't have compartments, it's just going to rush into the ship and the ship's going to sink very quickly. If you have compartments, if you have a double hull, you compartmentalize the base of the ship, then the water will pour in, but it'll be trapped in one place. And unless you have damage 
along several parts of the hull, then the ship isn't going to sink at all or it won't sink as fast. And that's what borders are. That's why we have national sovereignty. It's not because of this ludicrous idea. I, I don't know if this was always the, the propaganda, but today in 2020, it's definitely the propaganda, where you've got like young people who have no idea what country they're even in. They have no idea what Republicans or Democrats are. They have no idea about history, but they just they love the idea of unifying the world and globalizing everything. Because, see, professors and the think tanks and the what you might call globalists, these people have infiltrated at every level the educational system at the very minimal, and, of course, media and entertainment, and convinced a generation where it's like you don't have to wait for people to get older and then brainwash them. You just target them young, and you teach them like, hey, look, a united world would be very wonderful. It would be very peaceful. It would be utopian. We unite the world. We get rid of war. We get rid of all the terrible things that plague us. We get rid of plagues. We get rid of famines. We get rid of disease. We just bring it all to an end, and then we are united in peace and harmony, and it's one big collective farm, and it's great. That doesn't work that way, though. You can't even do that in a country, let alone the whole world. And if you think about when that's been tried in a country— and when you have a united collective body that dictates, you know, what kind of food is grown, how much of that food is grown, when that food is grown, who's going to get access to that food, how much they're going to get, a collective Politburo can't determine that. Human beings can't determine that. You know, maybe a supercomputer could, but humans can't determine that. So it leads to famine. It leads to death. It leads to disease. It leads to misery and the deaths of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people. I mean, you saw a good example of that with the United Nations and the World Health Organization, primarily with COVID-19. I mean, out of China, which is directing the WHO, you had this demand for a global lockdown. And what did it do? It led to the estimated potential now for hundreds of millions of people to starve to death. They're not people like that you know. They're people in countries where they don't have access to the things you have. So hundreds of million, 130 million, I think they estimated, are probably now going to die. I mean, that which is tens of millions more than on average die of starvation. 100 plus million are going to die of starvation now. And you're going to have hundreds of millions of people now that are going to be homeless and have no income whatsoever because of the global lockdown. This is what's been tried in individual countries. And then when individual countries try it, there are repercussions for that usually where you have other countries that might step in and say, you can't do that, and then they go to war with each other. If you have no borders and you just have one united, global, peaceful world where everybody's dancing around like a bunch of hippies, what happens if several groups of people what happens if a billion out of seven and a half, eight billion people decide we don't want to go in the direction where this global system is going? We'd like to go in a different direction. Well, even though the goal of the UN is total peace and no war, and that's the whole point of the UN, to not have nations warring with each other, the UN has an army. So the United Nations will send in their military, which is like a combination of all the militaries, 
if you can collectivize all nations, which will never actually happen. I, I don't think that'll ever happen. But you, you've got the start of it, and maybe their goal is beyond generational. Maybe their goal is they've mapped it out and they know that they can collectivize the whole world by 2100. I, I don't know. But you move that army in and then you can you know slaughter a, bil- a billion people. That's the, I mean, that might be an exaggerated hyperbolic example, but that's the whole point of having a U.N. army. Because if one country says, eh, we're not going to participate in that. Well, here comes the U.N. army because those are bad guys. They don't want to be in the collective hive of a global society. And it's kind of ironic because we already live in a global society. We can communicate globally at any time with each other. There's international trade, which for in many ways, international free trade has destroyed local traditional trade. It's destroyed crops. It's led to unsustainable practices. But they don't really tell you about that kind of stuff. They just tell you about all the great benefits of having a United Nations. I'm sure you kind of maybe remember George Bush sitting there at the desk. And he's talking about the U.N., so we have a real chance at this new world order, uh, an order in which the not the law of the jungle, but the law of the land, the law of order, the UN, the rule of law, not the law of the jungle. We can finally fulfill the founders of the or the vision of the UN's founders. Remember that speech? You eliminate the sovereignty of nations, and then you have this global collective hive. And it doesn't work in individual countries. Probably be a pretty big disaster on an international level. But that doesn't mean that the UN doesn't, you know, do things here or there that are perhaps beneficial. So you talk about these kinds of things, and it just sounds... It sounds like, well, you oppose peace. And that's intentional. Because if the UN is selling itself as, and those who support it are selling it, selling it as some universally peaceful, uh, nonviolent, uh, anti-war organization, then if you're opposed to it, then you're going to be opposed to those things. You're going to be pro-war. You're going to be anti-peace. I mean, that's they're they're selling you an idea. They're not actually selling you the final product. It's a scam. Personally, uh, this is one of the things I do take a stand on. I don't like the idea of a United Nations. I don't like the United Nations. I don't like all of the other groups. I don't like the 17 goals for sustainability. I don't like Agenda 20. And I don't like Agenda or 21. I don't like Agenda uh, 2030. But all those things sound so good, Ryan. They sound so good. Sustainability, equitability, peace, justice. Remember, the nostalgic thing for me is like, remember when you used to hear people talk more about like, there'll be a global government, there'll be a global court, there'll be a global army, there'll be a global everything. And anybody who doesn't want to participate in it, they get stomped into the ground. Well, that's any authoritarian regime ever. That's any military leader, that's any... King, queen, president, prime minister. You don't do what the state wants you to do, and they obliterate you. In some cases, more severe than others. Now you just 
amplify that to a global level and you don't do what the UN wants you to do, the only thing that protects you from the UN and the World Health Organization and all these international bodies are sovereign states. And I think it's probably just a handful of countries that really stands in the way of total UN global domination. I mean, because you don't really have to, like, declare, okay, look, there's no more borders. Everybody comes under the control of the UN. You don't have to control, you don't have to control things like that. You just slowly integrate the new system into place, and so people are really unaware of what's happening. And before you know it, there really isn't anywhere to go because all nations are under the control of the UN. Like, when the UN was, was there was the UN, the World Health Organization, and they were about talking about coronavirus, and, and they're like, they're like Donald Trump can't send troops into to Portland, Oregon to preserve peace. He doesn't have that power. No, he does have that power. Section 4 of Title 4 of the U.S. Constitution. He has that power to do that. But see, then the American people are like, well, look, the UN said he doesn't have the power. Hey, moron, the U.N. doesn't have the power. The U.N. doesn't tell the president of the United States what to do. The U.N. can't tell anybody what to do unless, unless they allow them to tell them what to do. And if they allow them to tell them what to do, then, uh, yeah, they've given up their sovereignty. Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, the president has the power to stop insurrection by sending in troops. No, he doesn't have that power. Have you read the Constitution? Well, the Constitution doesn't matter anymore. Why? Because the UN's in charge. Who are these people? A bunch of brainwashed college students who think that they're, they're advancing themselves in the world by staying in college for 15 years and learning all the talking points. Bring up the roundtables. That's a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. They conspire to literally collectivize the entire world as a conspiracy that's still active today. These people like reading so much. They like education so much. Why don't you read an actual book, not one of those little commie manuals that they give you? I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this, the 75th anniversary of the UN, the birth of a United Nations, right here on The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. May I have the password, please? The Fringe FM. That's right, sir. That is the password. This is The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rdgable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings or our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing Montage Archive. 
just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, Ryan, and yourself. Alex Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. The Secret Teachings t-shirts are now available through TeePublic and the show website at thesecretteachings.info. Whatever your color or size, check out the full selection on our website. Shirt designs include the Secret Teachings logo, our Occult Arcana shirt, the infamous Mothman, and of course the Blue Chicken Avian shirts, among others like the Paranormal Desert shirt. Check them out on T Public by searching for The Secret Teachings or simply visit thesecretteachings.info and select the merchandise option at the top of the page. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. is out there. There's something out here. And so are we. KTOK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. I'm Ryan Gable, host of The Secret Teachings, and you are listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. This is David Icke from davidike.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM, our website www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact the show, email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Tonight, the 75th anniversary of the United Nations. There's a big write-up about it 
in Time Magazine, the United Nations at 75, it has never been more needed nor under greater threat. And I guess we're supposed to read that story and we're supposed to think, oh no, the UN is under threat. It's just a fluff propaganda piece from Time Magazine to get you to be concerned with the United Nations. You don't even have to know what the United Nations is as an organization. The average person doesn't even know how government works on a local level, let alone a federal level, let alone on an international level. The United Nations isn't like a governing body that's that's really good for the world, that can bring everybody into a, a place of peace. You know, if Stalin or Mao would have taken over the world or Hitler would have taken over the world, you would also likely have had a world in which there wouldn't really have been war because the entire planet would have been conquered by one force. And then they have a military that will stomp out all opposition to their totalitarian, authoritarian regime. Don't you see how that works? If you need a microcosmic example of that, you just look at any country where there's total control, like China, and if you in China want to go meditate somewhere and practice Fulang Gong, they will round you up in white vans and they will rip your organs out and they will use them for organ transplants and then they will dump your body. That's what happens in a country where you don't have the freedom to do anything. And, and China today is as authoritarian as it is. The brutality of the 40s, 50s, and 60s still might not be matched, but the control because of technology is far superior to anything Mao could have had, far superior to anything Stalin or Hitler could have had, far superior to anything any country had in the 20th century. So microcosmically, if you will, look at a country like China and think the whole world. So let's say that we had a Chinese-like authoritarian structure over the whole planet, and you want to go out and you want to practice Fulong Gong, you, you want to go practice meditation in the park. Well, no, 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 you can't do that because here come the UN police force and they're going to round you up and they're going to beat you up and they're going to take you to jail. And you might, if you're lucky, appear before a global world court, which will determine what your punishment is for acting out of order with what the state says that you can or can't do. You see what happens? You know, I, I, I took a, uh, I've pretty much shared my whole life on radio, but there are a few things I never shared. And one of the things I never shared, just it never came up, was I took a, an international politics class. I went, to, uh, I went to film school. I graduated from film school. Didn't really do anything for me. Uh, and at one point I decided I wanted to go to, uh, I went to a community college in Orlando and I took international politics. I took, you have to take some math classes or something. And, uh, those were, I w it was like a very, very slow integration into college, but I took those classes and I took an international politics class. And so we had, you know, we had our textbooks with all that wonderful information in there that is completely accurate. And our teacher was, uh, he was very, he was very into it. I'm sure that if I would have uh, at the time recognized it, I would have realized he was no different than the liberal professors you'd get at any major university. And I remember so distinctly sitting in that class and I was doing radio at the time, nothing like I'm doing now, but I was doing radio at the time. And I was talking about these topics like the United Nations and the roundtable groups and the CFR trilateral commission. 
And I remember I got asked not to come back to that class. It didn't kick me out, but I got asked, like, don't come back to my class. Why? Because I questioned in that class, he was talking about this stuff. He was talking about the UN and global governing bodies and how it's going to bring peace to the world. And I was like, that's not what this is. And it's like, well, you know, this student doesn't know what this professor knows. This professor has a degree. You're here to listen, learn, and get your own degree. You're not supposed to talk. This is a re-education facility. I didn't understand that. And I remember telling him, I was like, I don't, I don't think that's what the United Nations is. I don't think that's what the, you know, these other, he didn't talk about the CFR or the Trilateral Commission, but I don't think that's what these groups are. I, and I actually wrote, the only paper I wrote in that class was about how dangerous this, you know, global governing system would be. And I'm sure it was horrific, you know, grammatically and structurally, but don't come back to my class. Why? Because I questioned I mean, if, you're, if your ideas are so solid, if you're so certain of your ideas, you shouldn't be offended by someone half your age who doesn't even have your credentials. You should be able to just obliterate me, and if you have these great, wonderful ideas, obliterate me in a conversation. Tell me how I'm wrong in front of the rest of the class. He wouldn't even do that. He just said, no, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. What is this reaction that people have? And people just start shaking. Like, there's a girl the other day I was talking I was talking to actually somebody else, and then this girl comes in, and she starts, like, shaking. Like, oh, my God, oh, my God, love and light. She actually said that. She's like, I'm about love and light and about justice and equality and acceptance. And I said, but you're not even listening to what I'm saying. And she starts shaking. She's like, she's shaking, like she's got Parkinson's or something. And someone had to come in the room and, like, hold her and say, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm thinking, what am I doing that's so, all I said was, I don't support Black Lives Matter. And this girl's, like, freaking out. That's what these people do. They just, I don't even know who these people are, but that's what people like that do. They, they literally freak out. They start, they're like, they're like, they got Parkinson's. They start shaking. They don't, they can't control themselves. They start screaming, giving you the finger, cursing. And then they tell you, no, don't engage, don't engage, don't engage. Like, don't you see that all that, this is all programmed. These people are all, pro, whether they're getting it from, from entertainment or they're getting it in an educational setting, they're all programmed. They're brainwashed. I mean, if you're from a city like, like uh, Portland or something, or Austin, Texas, or you're from a city like Orlando, Florida, you know, these like centers of brainwashing and, and totalitarian social control, you know, I don't know if you even have to go to school to learn those things. You think it's just like it's part of the culture, it's part of the environment that you live in. But my teacher, I remember this, he did the same thing that these people do. No, 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 get out of class. No, no, and just can't actually... I had no clue what I was talking about, but this guy's just losing his mind. He didn't yell, but he's just like, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. That's a conspiracy. You know, and I wasn't, I don't think I was smart enough then or conscious enough to, I should have been like, it is a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. Of course it is. You think that makes it any less relevant because it's, a, what, because the CIA coined that term in order to, 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 label anyone investigating the Kennedy assassination, anyone who didn't support the Warren Commission, to label them as a nut, to label them as 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 being bonkers, as being crazy, and, and just to easily dismiss them without hearing their argument? Is that the conspiracy that you're talking about, Mr. Professor? Now, I rarely had any teacher who was, like, aware and who was an actual teacher and not just, like, a re-education 
camp guard. That's what a lot of these teachers seem to be like. And, you know, if you just you go back and you actually were to to study where this whole idea came from and, and how it was structured in the 20th century, it's not hidden. It's pretty well known if you just read like history books. And it's pretty obvious to see what it is like, for example. You might have heard about the round tables. The round tables were organized in South Africa by a guy named Cecil Rhodes. And for those of you who have a fetish for how Masons are evil, I don't think they're evil. If you have a, if you have a hard-on for evil Masons, Cecil Rhodes was also a Freemason. Uh, he st- established the round tables with funding, literally just with funding from the Rothschild family. Cecil Rhodes organizes the roundtables with funding from the Rothschild family. And basically what the roundtables were, you know, kind of like King Arthur's 12 Knights of the Roundtable, different secret groups or think tanks were organized around this table. And the purpose of these groups was to have powerful, mostly wealthy people get together to devise plans, uh, devise uh, agendas to devise methods and policies that they could utilize from behind the scenes to motivate, quote-unquote motivate, or to nudge nations in a direction that they saw fit towards a more unified system. Groups like the Roundtables, which were later expanded, consisted just like Bilderberg does or just like, you know, your G8 summit or any of these global government like get togethers we have nations come together you know like g8 is a little different than the Bilderberg group but it's same idea you have highly influential members of and heads of state who act as these uh representatives of a global system and then you have like these advisors like your kissingers and your rockefellers that really dictate the policies and then the world leaders are just there listening and then they go home and they carry out whatever the policy is. That's why you see the whole world move in lockstep. And you see bills and laws passed in different states at the same time. In the United States, you see the same thing being passed in different countries at the same time. It's like, who? They just, everybody came up with this idea at the same time? No, they're getting it from a central source. Now, Cecil Rhodes, who was a Freemason, don't freak out though, he was British. He worked on a cotton farm in Africa, and from cotton he went to the diamond trade. And with additional funding from the Rothschilds, he established the Diamond Syndicate, known as the Central Selling Organization, which controls about 80% or more of the diamond trade today, over 100 years later. When he died... In the early 20th century, he died in like, I think like 1902, the Rothschilds who had funded and he, they financed and organized these, these groups, they took control of the central selling organization and the roundtable groups. Maybe they killed him, I don't know. He probably just died of natural causes. Now with additional funding and support from the Rockefeller Education Board, the roundtables were expanded into something called the Institute of Advanced Study, or the IAS. And what this means is that the roundtables were functioning as a secret society 
or like a secret society think tank, but operating through an offshoot known as the IAS. And the funders and the organizers of these groups absolutely were the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and their and their minions and those that work for them and work those that perhaps work through them on a higher level, names that you've never heard before. And I think that they've I think what they've done is they've desensitized the world through mass media to names like Rothschild, Rockefeller, those two names in, in particular, and they've desensitized you to words like secret society and Freemason. So when you hear them, you don't they don't register the same. You don't question like never heard of the Rothschilds, who are they? Never heard of the Rockefellers, who are they? It's just you're desensitized. You hear Rothschild, oh, that's a conspiracy. What's a conspiracy? The Rothschilds are a conspiracy. No, it's one of, they're one of the wealthy. They own most of the wealth in the world. They're not, it's not a conspiracy. They, just own, they, they were involved in conspiracies to acquire such wealth and mass murder and the overthrowing of nations. And, but they're, they're not a, what does that mean? They are, I heard somebody say that once. The Rothschilds are a conspiracy. Well, they embody conspiracy, but they're a family. They're, they're just a family. The Rockefellers are a family. Hey, remember when, when, when Rockefeller died? Like, when, when did he, let me look up when he died. I forget when he died. He was like 102. But there are all these, all these publications, all these publications that were like, the death of David Rockefeller. He, he was such a great man. 100, 101 years old. You know, a lot of blood transfusions to get to 101. You know, a guy who was at the front line, you want to talk about a mover and shaker, a guy that was at the front line of all the movers and shakers in the 20th century, all that stress, all that power, and the guy lives 101 years? I don't buy this. Okay, he's either into alchemy, banging kids, or he's got some deal with extraterrestrials. How, the, all the, the queen mother lived to 102, I think. How are these people living into their 100s when the average person, more and more the average man, is dying at like, you know, between 40 and 70? How are these people living to 100? That's suspicious alone. Now you have this IAS group, this Institute of Advanced Study. Now they had some interesting members. You might not know this, but they had some interesting members involved with the IAS. They included Albert Einstein, Niels Bohr, the physicist. And Robert Oppenheimer was even a member of the IAS. You know, he worked on the Manhattan Project. Those were three big members in the IAS. Now, once the roundtables were branched off into the IAS, these families and those that controlled them, that had funded them, the Rothschilds, Rockefellers, and others, maneuvered into a different position with their whatever their agenda was. It was basically globalization. And they used the IAS, really the roundtables, they used the IAS, though, to influence policies in Britain and the United States after the First World War. And so you had something created called the RIIA, the Royal Institute of International Affairs in London in 1919. It was based off of the roundtable structure of compartmentalization 
and it established a connection between England's elite upper class and the foreign policy interests of the elite classes in the United States. So it linked up the powerful, wealthy people in England and in the United States. What do you want and what do you want? And we'll work together to get it. That's why you see the same policies introduced in vastly different countries at the same time because those nations today, like they were then in 1919, are under the influence of groups like the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Now, of course, the American people would never have had that, a royal institute. I think the American people wanted that, a royal institute. So public opinion was opposed to things like the League of Nations and the Royal Institute. Americans were a little bit smarter back then. Now, when Roosevelt became president in 1933, he offered, you know, the famous New Deal. Remember that New Deal package, which was meant to end the Great Depression? But of course, you know, his banking friends had, because very wealthy family, the Roosevelts, his banking friends had basically engineered that Great Depression with the contracting, expanding of the money supply in the 1920s. But then Roosevelt comes along and he's a hero. Roosevelt was a, uh, remember Roosevelt was a, also a 33rd degree Freemason. You again can do with that whatever you want, but you know, it's whatever. I don't think Masons are evil. I'm a Mason. I don't think I'm evil, but maybe you disagree. Branches of this, uh, this Royal Institute of International Affairs went from England and the U.S. to Canada. Then they went to New Zealand. They went to India, Australia. They just started to, like Charlie Robinson says, they started to, he doesn't say this, but he's talking about the global octopus or the octopus of global control, but they started to expand like Charlie's octopus, which, you know, other people have used that, that symbol too. And they just started to put their tentacles everywhere. And, and the RIIA as an actual institute, although it, it included the upper class in America, it was rejected generally by the American public. The American public did not want anything to do with this after World War I. And the United States just rejected the uh, opportunity to join a League of Nations. And the purpose of the RIIA, coming out of the roundtables and, and the IAS, was to fundamentally influence and control international foreign policies particularly those that are wealthy and those that are powerful, whether in the U.S. or Canada or Australia, wherever it might be. And despite the fact that the U.S. was being controlled in very strategic areas by these powerful, wealthy movers and shakers, not many people were into a royal institute for whatever the reason might have been. So what they did, these tricky, tricky sons of bitches, what they did was they changed the name to the Council on Foreign Relations. And then that was accepted over the Royal Institute. You know, that's just like the War Department. The War Department's no longer the War Department, it's the Defense Department. They just changed the name. So you got roundtables that turn into an IAS that turns into a royal institute that tries to cram home a League of Nations. Nobody's buying this, so then they create the Council on Foreign Relations. And so the Council on Foreign Relations 
and its brother organization, the RIIA, began a series of uh, meetings that were conducted around the First World War. And uh, the CFR exists, not just in name, it exists today. It's an organization of powerful people. They have their, I mean, you, they put out publications with, they tell you what they're doing. You can just look up the, their website. <laughs> they have a freaking website. They'll tell you the Council on Foreign Relations. And, of course, all the, the famous people are involved in the CFR. Uh, one of the founding members was Colonel Edward Mandel House. His advisor to President Woodrow Wilson. Obviously, the Rockefellers were inst- uh, were just instrumental uh, in the Rothschilds as well, because the council itself operates as the American branch of the RIIA. Americans don't want a royal institute in the early 20th century. Okay, we'll give them a council on foreign relations. Oh, we'll take that. That sounds better. It's a council, not a royal institute. It's a council. That sounds more American, doesn't it? Not royal, just an institute, a council. That sounds better. We'll, t- we'll take that. And so, the Council on Foreign Relations was established on July 21st, 1921. An interesting date, considering that it falls around the time of the Hillelical Rising of Sirius, the Dog Star, which was a, and still remains, a very holy day to certain ancient ancient belief systems, and some not so ancient, uh, dealt more with agriculture, the inundation of the Nile River, and the growing of food and all that. But the uh, CFR was founded in 1921. You don't want the Royal Institute? Okay, great, we'll give you the Council on Foreign Relations. And if you've never seen their logo, their logo is a white horse, somebody, some guy riding a white horse with his arm in the air. The logo of the CFR. Underneath the horse is a Latin phrase, which means ubiquitous. Which means to be present or everywhere at the same time. Omnipresent. Global. The official founder of the Council on Foreign Relations, J.P. Morgan's personal attorney, both of which are under the power and influence of, of course, the banking dynasties. The group is open to people, kind of like Skull and Bones is, it's open to people by invitation only. Whether you're in finance or military or politics or media or medicine, academia, whatever it might be. Most of the policies that are developed at these meetings are then implemented in conjunction with policies of other countries. Again, finding you can find that strong link between why countries do the same thing at the same time. Yeah, they're communicating with each other, but they also there are also basically handlers that just direct countries forward. I mean, it's just like you find a direct link between intelligence agencies or you know any other groups. They work together naturally, but then again, there are also organized uh, conspiracies within these groups. And, you know, it, it seems like the underlying purpose of the CFR is to, like, bring the world together. Oh, it's so wonderful. It's so amazing. But, you know, there's a retired uh, U.S. Navy Admiral, Chester Ward, who said this. He said, CFR, the CFR, the Council of Foreign Relations, does not write the platforms of both political parties or select their respective presidential candidates or control U.S. defense and uh, U.S. foreign policy. They don't do any of this. But CFR members as individuals acting in concert with other individual CFR members do. 
See, that's why you shall not call it a conspiracy. None dare call it a conspiracy. Don't, it's not really a conspiracy because the CFR didn't do anything. The Royal Institute didn't do anything. The UN didn't do anything. Just individual members working together to carry out their global agenda. Whether they're working for Satan or they're working for the devil or they're working for some wealthy, powerful family or they're working for aliens or whatever they're working for, it wasn't the CFR. The members of the CFR compartmentalized, individually collectivized conspiracy. Yes, my friends, it is a conspiracy. If you can get over the hump of what that word implies today, you can look at the roundtables, the IAS, the Royal Institute, the League of Nations, Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, all the think tanks, from Tavistock to the Rockefeller Foundation to the Carnegie Foundation to the Ford Foundation, and you realize, oh, people that are elected and people that we know are leaders, if we can call them that, they're not really in control, are they? They might have some influence, but when it comes time to make that ultimate decision, the world is being moved in a direction by powerful forces, and those that oppose it whether they're bad guys or scumbags, people like Donald Trump oppose it. Maybe he's part of a, some bigger system. I don't understand. But people like Donald Trump oppose it. They'll do anything and everything to remove that, that cancer in the global body as the UN turns 75 here in just a few weeks. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. You can subscribe to our archive, get access to every show after it airs, download it and listen. You also get access to the montages and my books in digital form at www.thesecretteachings.info or grab yourself a book there on the website. Soft cover, autograph, free shipping in the U.S. www.thesecretteachings.info. Stay with us more after this. The bottom of the second hour. We'll go deeper into this conspiracy. Stay with us. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. How do you think you would react if you knew the truth? The Fringe FM. You are listening to The Secret Teachings. To contact the show, to share information and your opinion, or give recommendations, email rggable at yahoo.com. Visit the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings, or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this... And that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now, so... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week, and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. 
but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find TheFringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books. www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Are you ready to explore the unknown and the secret teachings? Do you have everything you need? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. SpongeBob sounds ready. Are you? So you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on 24-7 with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, this is Laura. I'm from Las Vegas, and I listen to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable because he never fails to provide us with great information from various topics on which he's done extensive and thorough research to back him. Thank you for all that you do and all your hard work, Ryan, and thank you for sharing it with the rest of us. Join me on a journey where getting lost is the only true destination, where happiness is an illusion. Here, where the past, present, and future all co- coexist on the same timeline. Welcome to a future where our true re- reflection is only revealed once the screen goes. Dark. Welcome to the darkness. I hope you find it enlightening. You are listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, where you can catch The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable five nights a week after Lighting the Void with Joe Rook. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... 
I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM and join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. To know that there are some young people in America who do have a good mind and are actually seeing what's going on and doing something about it. And that's why I'd uh, be delighted to come on your show anytime. You call me and I'll be there. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. It's time you got acquainted with the real hard truth. I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on The Fringe FM. The United Nations turned 75 Going into October of 2020, officially established, ratified October 24th, 1945, the UN, a global governing body, meant to bring the world together in peace and prosperity with no more war. That's the pledge of the UN, a world where there's no longer war. Because what happens is war stops other countries from expanding their power. Whether that power is tyrannical or you're spreading democracy, whatever you might be spreading, war can spread those ideologies, but war can also stop those ideologies. War is a natural deterrent against that. Just like if you have a double-hauled ship and compartments in the ship and you have water coming into the ship... That double hull and the compartments prevent the water from spreading throughout the entire ship and sinking the ship. At the very minimal, the ship might sink slower or the ship might be able to get to safety if there is a breach of the hull. If you have no safety precautions and there's a little tiny hole and the ship fills with water, the whole thing's going down. And that's what borders are. That's what sovereign countries are. War is a deterrent against unwarranted expansion an empire building, in a sense. It's not perfect, but individuality is not really perfect. The individual is always striving to be something more and to build something, to create something. That's the human spirit. But when you stifle that by demoralizing people and you force the individual free spirit into a collective hive where everybody thinks and looks and acts the same way, you destroy not only the spirit, but you destroy the very creative individual component that's used as nihilistic propaganda to convince people that if they want to be free and they want to be independent and they want to be individual and they want to be unique, then they need to be part of this collective. It's doublespeak. It's Orwellian. It's a scam to give up your independence to be part of a collective system where everybody's the same there is no individuality. And that's the microcosm on a social and cultural level that globalism is in a macrocosmic sense. 
You get rid of the borders, get rid of nationality, get rid of sovereignty, and then you have a global system with a global court and a global army that will stop any country from retaining its sovereignty, will stop any group of people, no matter how large, from opposing that global system. That's what it's really all about. It's not about stopping warfare. But warfare might be halted in its current state under a certain kind of condition. And this is what's kind of disturbing to think about when you think about the United Nations and all this jubilant celebration by hacks in media. Time magazine published this story. The United Nations, it's turning 75. It's never been more needed nor under greater threat. We love the UN, just like we love David Rockefeller. We love George Soros. We love Henry Kissinger. We love these guys. They're such wonderful they're men, and they've, they've been in power so long, and they've helped so many people. No, they're monsters. They're psychopaths. They're not helping people. They're hurting people. When you look at the United Nations, and when you look at these groups, and when you look at this idea that you can stop war and have perpetual peace, this is what leaders of, of any country promise, whether they're Mao Zedong or they're Joseph Stalin or they're, they're Benito Mussolini or they're Pol Pot or they're Adolf Hitler or they're Franklin Roosevelt or they're Winston Churchill, they're all the same. Peace, 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 peace. Or they're Woodrow Wilson. Peace, we're going to give you peace. They never give you peace. It's like Charlie Chaplin said, dictators free themselves And they enslave the people. If you have an unenlightened, uninformed, immoral people selecting leaders, even if the system of of selecting a leader and voting is, is not rigged and it's real and it's not influenced in the purest sense, you have those people selecting leaders. They're going to pick dumb people. They're going to pick people that they want in office because they think they can give them something. They're not they're not an, an enlightened individual. They're a greedy little SOB who thinks that if they vote for Bernie Sanders, they're going to get a bunch of free stuff. They're unenlightened imbeciles. That's what they are. That's not being mean. That's what they are. They don't understand. And then and then in the same sentence, this is what's amazing, especially in the U.S. Literally in the U.S., we have such an open, free society, and there are other countries that have this too. But you have an open, free society, so much so that you can go out in the streets, burn American flags, you can attack people, you can riot, you can loot, you can destroy things, you can badmouth the country, you can say no wall, no USA at all, you can say kill these groups of people, and you don't get a jackboot up your ass. You don't get curb stomped on the side of the road. That's what happens in a f- truly free and open society. And that's why you don't see this kind of violence in places like China. Because if you had this kind of violence in a place like China, they would execute everybody. Just like that. You saw that happen in communist Russia. You saw that, to some extent, happen in Nazi Germany, in Mussolini's Italy, fascist Italy, where the word fascism comes from. You see this in any authoritarian regime. I mean, hell, look what happened in Cambodia. Look what happened in North Korea. Look what happened in uh, Venezuela. Look at at any shithole communist nightmare. 
or any totalitarian, any, it doesn't matter if it's communist, any authoritarian regime, what do they do? You go out and protest in the streets, bang, you're dead. You don't get to protest unless it's organized by the state as opposition that's controlled so the state can exercise more power because they need it to protect you from these evil terrorists. The same thing happens in the United States. And if you control it right, it benefits you even if you're not totally in control of it. I mean, it benefits Donald Trump to a large degree. Whether he has any hand in it or not, I don't think he does. I think he's just been, he's going to benefit substantially from all the rioting because it, you're showing who you really are on one side of the political spectrum, whatever it is that you supposedly support. So you want total peace. You want total equality and justice. There's one way to acquire that, and the way to acquire that is the way that every communist regime in particular has promised. Peace, justice, equality, equitability, and we'll not have any more fighting or war, and no more starvation. Not only do you not get those things, those problems that you have, even problems you perceive but not, might not have to deal with directly, they become amplified to a level that is so horrific Millions of people just by association end up dying of starvation and dying of violence in the streets without with government not even lifting a finger. No troops coming in. Nobody's getting shot. Just people rip themselves apart because you destroy law and order. You destroy faith. You destroy community. You destroy society and culture. And then things collapse. That's obviously what they want. If you can do this to country after country after country after country and install people in positions of power, kind of like John Perkins' economic hitman, install people in positions of power controlled with the IMF and the World Bank so that it looks like on the surface this is a free, independent, sovereign nation, but really they're just being controlled from behind the scenes. You can bring the whole world together, make it look like there's still borders. You build up the scaffolding. And then once you've got the scaffolding up and you're and you're you're redoing the structure of the of the building, painting it, replacing windows, cleaning windows, fixing the, the actual structure, replacing parts of it. And everybody's thinking, this is this is great. We we still retained our sovereignty. We have a leader that believes in what we believe in. And then you remove the scaffolding and oh, there you go. You just you just pull out all the little pieces, pull out the, the borders, pull out the sovereignty, pull out the freedom, and then you realize, oh, these leaders aren't really leading a country. They're just representatives of a global governing body. That's what it is. I mean, that's why the U.N. can literally have the audacity to tell the president of the United States, I don't care if it's Bill Clinton, I don't care if it's Ronald Reagan, I don't care if it's George Bush or it's Donald Trump. The U.N. can tell the president of the United States, you don't have authority to stop insurrection in your country. You don't have authority to do anything. We will tell you what to do. We might have to send U.N. troops in. That, that, that is like just a, a story that's a few months old. The U.N.'s like, we're just going to tell you what to do. You, can, you can't send federal troops into Portland. That's a human rights abuse. They said that. You, you believe that? The U.N. told our president... It doesn't matter who it is. You don't have authority, even though it's in the Constitution. Article 4, Section 4, read it. It's very short. The president has all that authority. But the U.N. says no. And it's that brainwashing that the average people have been through, those re-education centers that they think, well, we should wait till after the election to put a new Supreme Court justice in. Why? Where does it say you have to wait till after an election? It's just too volatile right now. Well, the environmental conditions are irrelevant. 
because this is how the process of government works. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean that it changes like that. Oh, the president doesn't have authority to do this. We can impeach the president because we don't like him. And we'll just and then they convince the American people that this is reality. This is not reality. The average American doesn't even know how, how many branches of government there are. You think the average American or the average person anywhere around the world understands what the United Nations is? Oh, it's about peace. You know how they bring about peace? Let me circle back around. You know how they bring about peace? This is how they bring about peace. You subject the entire world to your authority, and as long as people do what you tell them to do, there'll be peace. And if a group of people decide or a nation decides we're not going to participate in that, then there'll be war again. Except it won't be the same kind of war because it'll be a global army that marches in with blue helmets and they take control. That's what that global army's for. What do you think? It's for aliens? Would you think you think it was going to be like Ronald Reagan's alien threat from outside this world? You think it was going to be that alien threat? No, the alien threat are the aliens outside of the global government, those that don't participate, those countries that don't want to be members, those leaders who still care about the people and the resources and the economy and nationality and sovereignty and freedom in their respective country. The UN will just come in and say, eh, you don't get that. You're devastating the, the global order, so you die now. And then they just level the country and take everything over. That's what happens. That's what economic hitmen are. That's what John Perkins is. We've had him on the show. That's what John Perkins is through the IMF and the World Bank, organizing these loans, getting countries in debt, manipulating them into accepting that that massive amount of debt, promising them you'll be able to take all the wealth and resources and you'll be able to get whatever you want and pay for your you know things for your own country and you'll be able to 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 give your people more. And then not only do you not get anything, your people don't get anything, your country gets bent over, lubed up. They're nice if they add lube. And then you get smashed from behind. And then the UN and the, all these global governing bodies, the IMF and World Bank in particular, but it's all the same source. They're like, well, you can't pay us back. So just privatize, you know, your electricity, privatize your water, privatize your oil, privatize your minerals, privatize your, your wood, privatize all the natural resources. And then we won't have you default on your loan. But, but it's just taking control. I'm ranting. And I apologize for getting a little bit off course. It's not really off course, but it's a little bit off course. The point is the United Nations turns 75. Time magazine has this big write-up about how the UN is greatly needed at this time. The UN's done a bunch of really good stuff, they say in this article. You go back to the early 20th century, as I was explaining in the last segment, and you, you learn a little bit about Cecil Rhodes. Cecil Rhodes was financed by the Rothschild banking family. He created, um, along with being involved in, 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 in the diamond trade, uh, today about 80-plus percent of diamonds uh, worldwide are run by the same company, uh, which is banking Rothschild-owned, the, the diamond syndicate. Uh, Cecil Rhodes created the roundtable groups, and the roundtables evolved into the IAS. And the uh, IAS expanded into the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the League of Nations were rejected in 1919 by America in particular. Powerful people in America were part of the IIA, along with those in England and Canada and other places. And so from the roundtables to the Institute of Advanced Study, IAS, 
to the League of Nations and uh, in 1919, the League of Nations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs, the American people were like, nah, we don't want the Royal Institute. That sounds too scary. So they were, so they were like, well, okay, we'll give you the CFR. So they gave you the CFR. Give you the Council on Foreign Relations. And the Council on Foreign Relations helps to advance that policy forward. Retired U.S. Navy Admiral Chester Ward said, you know, the CFR, he said, uh, does not write the platforms of both political parties or select their respective presidential candidates or control U.S. defense and foreign policy. All that's a conspiracy. None of that actually happens. What really happens, he said, is that CFR members as individuals acting in concert with other individual CFR members do do all of that. Just since the 1980s, members of the CFR have included 14 secretaries of the Treasury, secretaries of defense, and 14 secretaries of state, including Christian Herter and John Foster Dulles, who, of course, married into the Rockefeller family. Uh, John Dulles was also instrumental in the establishment of the United Nations. Seventy-fifth anniversary. You know who John's brother was? Head of the CIA. Fired for the Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba. And then Kennedy wanted to get rid of the CIA, so they shot a sitting president. CFR expanded. Funding for the CFR came from major companies like Xerox, General Motors, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, and others. And then the Council on Foreign Relations took a little bit of a turn, and it turned into something where you've got other branches like David Rockefeller, for example, who was uh, senior vice president of Chase National Bank in 1952. His brother Nelson, who became vice president of the United States under Jared Ford, after the privately run CFR began experiencing widespread ridicule for operating in secret without the consent of the people, obviously, and still being able to influence and you know a supposedly elected government, David Rockefeller decided, you know what, let's uh, let's do something different here. People are on to us. Quick, they're on to us. So we have to change the name again, which is what they did with the Royal Institute of International Affairs. The RIIA was rejected. The League of Nations was rejected after World War One in the U.S. And then they just changed it to, uh, from the RIIA and the League of Nations to the Council. That sounds better. And then over the years, as people caught on to what the CFR was and how it was operating in secret and influencing elected officials, David Rockefeller said, well, let's just change the name again. And they kept the CFR. It still operates. They have their website. But they created the less-known Trilateral Commission. Founded almost 51 years to the date as the Council on Foreign Relations in 1921, the Trilateral Commission began organizing on July 23rd, 1972, at the Rockefeller Estate in New York. Officially, the group wasn't founded until July 1st the following year, though, but they began organizing in 1972. David Rockefeller, who's a member of the CFR, Trilateral Commission, etc., as a founder, became chairman, while the North American director became Zbigniew Brzezinski. The big new Brzezinski, 
the National Security Advisor to Jimmy Carter. Remember Jimmy Carter and the, the uh, Mujahideen? And we gave them money. We gave them a lot of money, you know, which the Mujahideen, became, the Freedom Fighters became Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda became Al-Qaeda. You know who the Zbigniew Brzezinski was? He was also a mentor to Barack Obama, interestingly enough. And so the purpose of the Trilateral Commission was the same as the CFRs. It represents interests from North America to Western Europe to Japan. It's got a very small membership, only a few hundred people. And it uh, included uh, people like Alan Greenspan, you know, Federal Reserve CFR, also a member of the Bilderberg Group and the Bohemian Grove Club. Paul Volcker, also Federal Reserve, uh, a man completely appointed, solely appointed by David Rockefeller to be the Fed chairman. Totally offshore private corporation. Uh, other members of the Trilateral Commission included uh, Jimmy Carter, George Bush, who's a member of Skull and Bones CFR Trilateral Commission. Also, Heedley Donovan, editor of Time Magazine, who was also Skull and Bones. And Time Magazine just published this week a 75th anniversary special article about the United Nations, how it's never been more needed or under greater threat. Never been more. We've, we need we really need this United Nations to bring the world together in peace. Again, you know how you get this peace? If you have an authoritarian system and everybody does what you want them to do, there'll be peace. Just like if you're in a really, let's look at the microcosm. You're in a really bad relationship. And uh, let's just save this for, for, the, for the bottom of the next break. Really bad relationship. As long as you do what the other person wants you to do, everything's cool. But as soon as you question it, they panic and they freak out. And that's what happens in the microcosm of a relationship. It's what happens in an authoritarian regime. It's what happens in a global governing body. And then if it's all about peace, why don't they just dismantle their world army once they obtain that peace? You think that's going to happen? No, because everybody thinks it's about the aliens. They're going to create a world army to fight the aliens. No, they're creating a world army to fight you if you don't do what they tell you to do. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this. Don't go anywhere on The Fringe FM. usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and provide new guards for their future security. Listen to The Secret Teachings five nights a week, Monday through Friday, on The Fringe FM. Listening to the Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. To contact Ryan, email rdgable at yahoo.com. You could listen to this. And that show is now running all day Friday and all day Saturday on History Channel, which is really amazing. I don't know if there's any other show on TV that's doing that right now, so. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week and join us to explore the outer limits and quarantine zones of history, symbolism, parapolitics, myth, and more. 
We don't have insiders or some galactic confederation ambassador, but we do have books, memories, critical thinking skills, and an ability to recognize patterns. And we also know a little bit about a lot. But don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. Find the Fringe.fm Monday through Friday for new episodes of The Secret Teachings or check out TalkStream Live in the Paranormal Radio app. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info to subscribe to the entire show archive so that you can listen, stream, and download every episode after it airs. Subscribers also get access to our montages and digital books www.thesecretteachings.info and The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on The Fringe FM. Don't settle for less. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Are you ready to explore the unknown and the secret teachings? Do you have everything you need? I've got my secret socks on and my secret TV and my secret TV channel. SpongeBob sounds ready. Are you? They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then they, the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> like, you're all working for the same guy. Hi, Jeremy Scott here from Into the Power of Normal, and I'm back live Saturdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on The Fringe FM. No. Did you buy Alexa? No, I don't know why people would voluntarily bug your own house. Like, do you think you're the only one listening in on that? You never saw weird science, how creepy these nerds are? All these cameras on your phone, all of that. The people go on Ancestry.com. Why would you send your saliva into the Internet? Why don't you just go to the Illuminati and help them build your robot replacement? Alex. Hi, I'm Alex Exum, and you're listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Understand the procedure now? Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. All we need to do is sit back and watch. If you're God and you made the whole universe, are you just going to sit back watching one planet? Maybe that's why the Earth is so fucked up. I don't think he's been watching us for the last couple thousand. When was the last time he reached out? When was the last time he was in a burning bush going, hey, hey, you there, you there with the long curvy stick next to the sheep? I think he's been watching other Earths. I'm Ryan Gable of the Secret Teachings Radio Show, and you're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Check out my show, The Secret Teachings, Monday through Friday, right here on The Fringe, 11 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern, U.S. time. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. You're listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting. May I have the password, please? The Fringe FM. That's right, sir. That is the password.
I'm Ryan Gable. I'm your host, and this is the Secret Teachings Radio on the Fringe FM. The Fringe.fm is the network website. The new apps are coming. So is Fringe Fest. Friday and Saturday, the night before and the day of Halloween 2020, Fringe Fest. We've got a website up. We'll have a lot of really great speakers. We've got Linda Godfrey, Karen Dahlman with the Ouija board. Probably have Jordan Maxwell, Harold Kaltz. Those are the few people I've contacted to have on the Fringe Fest 2020. And there'll be others. We're working on that here on the Fringe. Alex, Jess, Joe, and others putting that together. That's Fringe Fest. It'll be the weekend of Halloween. Of course, the week before that, we'll be doing our traditional Halloween shows here on The Secret Teachings. Every year I have to do it. I have to spend a whole show talking about Count Chocula, Boo Berry, and I never can remember the other one. What's the other one? It's Count Chocula, Boo Berry, Frankenberry. I have to do a show on those three cereals because they, you talk about scary. Those are some scary, scary ingredients. So we'll be doing a couple of our our Halloween shows on that, the origins of Samhain and whatnot, and you'll be hearing a lot of good stuff here on The Fringe. It's coming up in October, just a few weeks away. October is just a few days away, but October, the end of the month. It's also the anniversary, the 24th of October, of the United Nations. San Francisco officially being formed. Uh, other dates for the UN coming to the attention of uh, powerful forces and those powerful forces getting together and determining we should have this United Nations to stop war from ever happening again. I don't think it's really helped. I mean, I can just think of a few off the top of my head. We've had, like, Korea. We've had Vietnam. We had massive destruction across China with the Chinese Revolution. Uh, the UN didn't do jack shit to stop that. Uh, the UN didn't stop uh, any of the horrors of the late 20th century. I mean, I can think of another one, a uh, more recent one. When I was born, there was Desert Storm. We've had invasions of Iraq and invasions of Afghanistan and bombings of Yemen and Libya, and you see uh, Armenia is involved in uh, basically a conflict right now. There's always war. The U.N. isn't going to stop war. You think the U- you th- What did people think? Like the U.N. was going to come to power globally and everybody was going to just submit and get on their knees, and then the world comes together in peace. And we sing... We sing that creepy song they sang. What was that? Th- we played that on the show we had Max Egan on. Uh, that world government song. They were like, we want a new world order. And they're just singing it like they're so happy. We don't want any borders. No nationality. We just want a world order where I will be killed because I am obsolete. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You think you get a piece of this pie or something? Is that what people think? I'm going to get a piece of the pie. I'm going to get some of that. The only thing you're going to get is a bullet in the head. I mean, this this is what the UN, this is what these global governing bodies are. Like, I imagine a lot of the people that support this, like, consciously, they know what they're doing. And they really do think, like, we can bring the world together in peace, and this is what we're supposed to do as leaders, protect people and represent people, at least in elected governments. Even in non-elected governments, even dictators. I mean, sometimes dictators control their country better than elected representatives because the dictator has nobody telling him what to do sometimes. And, you know, elected representatives do 
because they have to have that money to get into power. A dictator might actually be a better leader sometimes than an elected representative. It's a scary thing to think about. But you want to bring people together in peace. I'm sure a lot of people actually believe that, that are, that are running this, that are in charge of this, that are involved in this. And then there are others who know exactly what they're doing, and they know that the intention of the roundtables and the IAS and the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the League of Nations and the CFR and the Trilateral Commission and all the rest is to influence nations. I mean, you can just read these people's books. Read their books. I mean, just read Carol Quigley's uh, Tragedy and Hope. I mean, didn't he, didn't he write that from the archives of, like, the CFR? Like a history of the 20th century? It's from their archives. These, what do you th- where do you think they're getting this information from? So uh, this, this stuff's really nostalgic for me because when I first started doing radio, like, this was a, a, a lot of my interest was involved in this. I even took a political science class just because I was wasn't satisfied with my film school degree and I didn't know what else to do so I temporarily took a political science like class international politics class at a small little community college in Orlando and I remember questioning what my teacher was telling me about these organizations and you know he just he wouldn't have it nope you're wrong nope don't come back to class nope 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 just acts like one of those people nope nope start shaking his head nope you know, professional professor in front of 30 other students just shaking his head like he's convulsing, like he's got, you know, some kind of Parkinson's disease or something. I mean, that just shows you if someone acts like that, they're brainwashed. And I mean, I, I can tell you, like, you've ever been in a relationship with someone like that and they act like that. You're like, hey, I have a question for you. And OK, what's the question, Ryan? And then you ask that your partner the question and they just start freaking out. You know they're guilty of something, first of all. But when they're like, nope, don't want to talk about it, don't want to talk about it, don't want to talk about it, and they just start shaking, they're like convulsing. And you're like, well, I, if just if we could, if you could answer the question, we, we wouldn't have to have this this little, this interaction. We wouldn't have to fight. We're not fighting. I just can't handle it. I can't do it. I can't just don't. It's like, literally, I'm asking you, I'm asking you. I asked my son's mom this the other day. Did you use laundry detergent on his clothes? And she's like, she's like, no, why would I do that? No, what, what are you saying, I'm saying I'm a liar? It's like, just answer the question, yes or no. <laughs> I'm not accusing you. It's a question. See, if you have a relationship with someone who just, like, freaks out like that, you know, there, there's, a, there's a barrier to that. You just get out of the relationship. And if you're in a relationship and someone's really controlling, how do you keep peace in one of those situations? What do people say? They're walking on eggshells, right? How do you keep peace? You just do what the other person wants you to do. You don't really want to do what they want you to do, but you just do it. You let them control you. You probably don't want to have sex with them, but you do it because you know it'll cause a problem if you don't have sex with them. I mean, you're really miserable. You don't want to be in the relationship, but you're too scared to get out of it because you don't know what the other person's going to do. That's a microcosm. But how do you keep the peace? That's the question. How do you keep the peace? You just do what they tell you to do. And even then, They become so paranoid and controlling that even when you are doing what they want you to do, you aren't doing it the right way, so they still freak out. And then it becomes violent and hostile in some cases. Now let's expand that. Let's expand that to a country. And in a country where there's a leader or a group of leaders who have uh, an agenda for you. They want you to do what they want you to do when they want you to do it. 
You can see that in a lot of the governors here in the United States. They don't want you to shake hands. They don't want you to go out in public. They don't want you to walk around without a mask. They don't want you to open your business. Just total authoritarianism with nothing to support, no science, no statistics even to support their seemingly justified claims. But the public's dumb enough. The public's like, no, we want this, we want this. But the public doesn't understand. Just like the public's like, well, you know, we, we don't, we'd want the Supreme Court justice to be selected after the election because that's what we think's fair. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think's fair. That's not how the system works. We just, we just want to get rid of the Electoral College. That's not fair. Well, if you get rid of the Electoral College, it'll just be complete mob rule. And New York City and Los Angeles and, uh, you know, other big cities, they get to determine how the rest of the country lives. Well, that's okay because I'm on the right side. I get to... I get to win. You don't get to win. You're wrong. See, this is not why there's a problem with uh, whatever you call democracy or the republic. It's because of this that people don't understand what a republic is. It's because of people that are unenlightened, narrow-minded, self-interest, self-righteous, entitled little pieces of shit that they think that they deserve everything, and if they don't get what they want then they got to tear down the whole system. Ignorant. Ignorant, ignorant, ignorant. Self-entitled. Not impressive to me, as George Carlin said. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest does not impress me. Besides, there's nothing wrong with the planet. So you go from having a relationship to having a state, and when you do what the state wants you to do, it's fine. If you don't do what Cuomo wants you to do, you get fined, you go to jail, and you get harassed by other people who move in lockstep with what the state wants you to do. So how do you keep the peace? What does everybody tell you about masks? I just wear them because it'll just it'll stop conflict. See what I'm alluding to here? So let's expand that to a larger body. Let's expand that to what the UN supposedly was founded to do. Stop warfare. What is warfare? Warfare can be used, invasions, occupations can be used to take territory, to take resources. It's just it's the arm of force for a country. It can also be used for defense. There's offensive and defensive warfare. And without getting into the subjective nature of warfare and the relative nature of warfare to whatever degree you might want to interpret it, warfare can be used to expand and warfare can be used to stop expansion of other countries from, you know, like when the U.S. invaded Iraq and Afghanistan and, and so on and so forth. Whatever the justification is, if you get rid of war, what do you have? You think you have peace if you get rid of war? On a global level? That's what the UN wants to do. They want to bring peace to the whole world. Okay, so just like in that relationship, how do you, how do you stop your partner from freaking out? You do what they want you to do. And the more that you do what they want you to do, they become more suspicious. And they become more fanatical and they become more delusional and more paranoid. And so even when you're not doing something that they would typically freak out about, the simplest thing sets them off. So you are walking on those eggshells, those hot coals, those little shards of glass. And that's what happens with a tyrannical governing body. At first, it's you don't wear the mask, you don't social distance, and People freak out about it. And then if you let that go too long, they become more paranoid. 
because they know that they can't suppress people, they can't oppress people forever, and they have to become more and more authoritarian to control people because as you become authoritarian, people become aware and you have to do things that oppress that awareness and terrify people into being subject to your will. And so you just keep moving in that direction. People become aware, they take one step forward, you push them back two steps. And before you know it, you're in a position you never thought you'd be in because you thought you were moving forward. And your life in that state, in that country, becomes like it would have been in a relationship. And that's exactly what it would be having a global governing body, which you already have a de facto global governing body today. They're just waiting to pull out the borders of each country so that they can say, look, we have a global order. All the leaders do what we tell them to do, but they're st- you're still sovereign but they're really getting rid of the borders. That's why people are chanting, no wall, no USA at all, no wall, no Trump, no wall, no USA at all. That, that's political. That's, a political. that's an anti-American message. That's an anti-country message. That is an anti-border message. That has nothing to do with Donald Trump at all. No Trump, no wall, no USA at all. I wish those people would realize, like, if you didn't live in a free country, you'd have your throat slit, you'd be hanged, You'd have your organs ripped out of your body like they used to do in the Soviet Union. They would just, they'd pull out your organs and they'd like nail them to a tree and make you run around the tree until you completely pulled out your intestines. Communist Soviets were just far more brutal than even the Nazis were. Not that you can really subjectively compare those two things, but still. No wall, no USA at all. What do you think no USA at all means? Get rid of the borders. No more borders. No more. And that sounds great. Like we're all part of this one world order. We're all part of this global body. And we're all, no, no humans illegal. Don't you love those slogans that are paid for by like the Open Foundation, the Open Society Foundation? No human is illegal. Do you agree with that? Well, I don't think that's what it means. No, you hate humans if you don't agree. You have to agree. Are humans legal? What does that mean? What do you mean, are humans legal? What does that mean? If you want to preserve the rule of law, then there needs to be some level of, of protection of the rule of law. There needs to be some level of boundary. Yeah, you have to have a, a boundary. If you get rid of the wall, you get rid of the, the, the border, what happens? Then you end up having uh, chaos. No, you have peace, Ryan, because everybody gets together in harmony. And we sing and we, we dance and it's, it's just all wonderful. Okay, well, what happens in this wonderful environment when there's like a resistance, like in the Terminator or like in Star Wars, and the Empire comes after you? That's what the UN is. It's, it's, a, it's a global empire. And that global empire is only stifled by individual sovereign nations where people are informed, people are free, and people have a way to defend themselves. You don't have that. You don't have any freedom. You don't have any sovereignty. And you have a global governing body telling you what to do. That's what the UN ultimately is. Ryan, that's a conspiracy. You're right, Sherlock. It is a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. It's been a conspiracy since Cecil Rhodes. It's been a conspiracy since the RIIA and the League of Nations. They couldn't get it after the First World War, so they had a second to make sure they could get the UN and the establishment of the State of Israel. 
which was also paid for, financed by the Rothschild family, the same ones that funded Cecil Rhodes, create the Diamond Syndicate and the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the IAS and all those roundtable groups and the CFR and the Trilateral Commission later on in the, what, 1970s. And they got their think tanks, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, Carnegie Foundation, Carnegie, Carnegie Institute, and then you've got the Tavistock Institute, you've got your major universities that pump out the same level and the same kind of propaganda. I mean, you, I, I put this in my book, The Technological Elixir. You can just go read. It's on the website at thesecretteachings.info. If you subscribe, uh, there's uh, digital copies of it you can see on the website. But if you buy the book, it's a big book. Um, the whole book covers a number of subjects, but there's a section on this subject where we go through the Stanford Research Institute, which we talked about last week, and they're like, yeah, this is how we restructure society and we bring in a post-human world and we deindustrialize the world. We need to have women liberated, which is the Me Too movement and all that kind of stuff, and black consciousness, which is BLM, and the youth rebelling against societal wrongs. That's all you're riding and protesting. This is wrong. We want peace and justice. You have no clue what you're talking about. Experimentation with new family structures, the emergence of communes as alternative lifestyles, uh, you know, communes, collectives, Hive minds, comrades, the same kind of language as all that it is. It all means the same thing. And then you just kind of scroll through all that and you get down to the, the United Nations. Remember Agenda 20? Agenda 21? Agenda 2030? Remember the 17 goals for sustainability? What did the UN want to do with those 17 goals for sustainability? Remember, the, I'm gonna, let me read you those things. The UN's sustainable development goals end poverty in all of its forms. Let's look at that. What is poverty? If you take poverty and define poverty, let's look in a dictionary and define poverty. Let's do that right now. Let me pull that up. We'll get an exact definition. The state of being extremely poor. Okay. Well, by definition then, if you made people wards of the state and you gave them their food and you gave them their water and their clothing, and they did everything that you want them to do. Then they wouldn't be in poverty anymore because they would work for you as slaves, right? So you get rid of poverty. That sounds great. But what happens when getting rid of poverty means creating an equally poor society? Destroying independence taking control of economics, taking control of culture. So there are the mega-wealthy and the mega-poor, and the latter, the mega-poor, will rely on the former for meager little payments for hard work, for simply existing as the companion to machines and doing what instructed they are provided basic necessities. That's what ending poverty means. These people are crafty. They know exactly what they're doing. They know how to use language. You just need someone to break it down for you if you don't understand it. And if you do understand it, share this with other people so they understand it too and explain it in a simple way. Ending poverty. Don't you want to end poverty? Well, yeah, I do want to end poverty. But see, I want to end poverty by empowering people so they can make something of themselves, so that they can climb, not sink. But ending poverty to these people means giving people universal basic income. Get, let's get rid of all your debt. You won't have debt anymore. That's cool, huh? With the world reset coming up in 2021, 
with the Red Dragon Antichrist, Prince Charles, running it. We're going to get rid of all the debt. We'll have a global reset. All, and that sounds great. We'll get, and then people are like, we'll get, we're going to get $10,000 from this global reset. I'm going to buy a TV. You are, a, you are beyond a moron. Even if they gave you $10,000, that's going to be your pay for the year. You're going to be on salary of the New World Order. You're going to be on salary of the UN. You better show up to work 18 hours a day or you're going to be in a forced labor camp. Enjoy it. You're not going to get to watch your TV. And then they say, number two, they want to end hunger, achieve food security and improve nutrition. That's very dangerous because they tried that in Venezuela and they don't have food. They tried that in Russia and they don't have food. They tried that in the Ukraine and they didn't have food. That was the Holodomor. They tried that in China and about uh, 40 million, 45 million people died of starvation because the government can't control, doesn't know how to control food production. You have to allow, allow a market to do that. Didn't say it was perfect, but it's better than having a couple of scumbags in control. Goal number three, ensure healthy lives and promote well-being for all. Oh, that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? We're going to get rid of disease, and we're going to create more nutritious things, and really it's just about creating like a culture and an environment where people are injected with a vaccine three times a week. You see this more and more now. Microchips to monitor their heartbeat and their heart rate and to track where they are, and it's all that's basically medical tyranny is goal number three of the UN. And then, of course, number four, ensure inclusive and equitable quality education and promote lifelong learning opportunities. This is why those liberal people, those weird liberal people that aren't really liberal, that's why they spend 25 years in college and they don't learn anything because they're brainwashed by lifelong learning opportunities. In other words, lifelong brainwashing at education centers. That's what it is. Inclusive and equitable quality education. Oh, that's like Wendy's slogan, quality Quality can't be your recipe, Wendy's. Quality is a description. It's not an ingredient. Quality is our recipe. Quality is not a description of how to create something. Quality is the state of what that object is that you're creating. That's quality. Quality education. What does that mean? What is the quality of the education system when they're dictating to you what you have to believe? And if you believe something different, they take you out back and they shoot you. Teaching kids to report on their parents like good little Stasi. Achieve gender equality. That is literally one of the 17 goals of sustainability. Achieve gender equality and empower all women and girls. That means teach women to be independent of men, to destroy the family structure, which is what BLM says. That's what the director of QD says. That's what the Atlantic says, which destroys, of course, not only the family structure, but it destroys the men and the women as individuals. And then it destroys culture. Empowering women... It's only desirable in their ability to overturn men as the perceived dominant head of the household, and any woman opposing this agenda is not considered strong, but under the control of a patriarchy. An incredibly sexist suggestion in and of itself because women have their own free will to do what they want to do, just like blacks have their own free will and do what they want to do, but when a black doesn't support BLM, then they are under the control of the white person. This is just Soviet-style brainwashing and propaganda, but it's coming from the U.N. Ensure availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. It's basically the consolidation of all resources and the control of those resources. And you don't get those resources if you do something that they don't like. They'd shut your power off like the mayor of Los Angeles is doing to people that have parties. 
ensure access to affordable, reliable, sustainable, and modern energy for all. It's the same thing. It's billions of dollars thrown down a hole for the green environment, the movement, that leads to nothing but, like we talked about last night, electric cars that emit more CO2 than gas-powered cars, soy production that causes more harm to the environment, or at least as much harm as animal agriculture, and paper bags, which are worse for the environment than plastic bags. And cotton bags are worse than paper and plastic bags because of the amount of energy to create the damn things. That's what the green movement's all about. It's unsustainable and it falls apart. You need to learn about that. You need to go read some books on what happened in China in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Government can't control Resource production, where those resources are allocated to, how to produce them, how much to produce, who gets them. So when things fall apart, the shipments end up going to Beijing or Moscow. They go to the capital. And everybody else starves to death. Last goal, and you can go read the rest for yourself. Last goal, there's 17, here's number 8. Promote sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic growth, full and productive employment, and decent work for all. Well, that's totally relative. What's decent? What's decent to you might be undecent to me. It might be indecent to me. Maybe it's decent to me. It might be indecent to you. Something that's generally accepted. Ooh, generalized. That's what, indecent, that's what decent means. It means something generalized. So if it's economic growth, full and productive employment, that means everybody salaried at $10,000 a year with universal basic income working for the state. And if you don't do what the state wants you to do, they kill you. Or you go to a forced labor camp. Or you go to a re-education center, and you have to, rather than saying Hail Marys in church, you have to say, at a struggle session, all the terrible things that, you know, you did. I'm sorry, I thought for myself. I'm sorry, I supported capitalism. I'm sorry. I wore clothing that was not in line with the acceptable standard of what everybody else wears. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible person. Please don't kill me. Please don't punish me. Please don't put me in prison. Please don't starve my family. Please don't kill my family. Please don't rape my wife. Please don't kill my kids. And you just have to grovel and grovel and grovel like they did in China for four or five, six, eight, twelve hours at a time. And then if you're lucky, they don't kill you. They just further humiliate you by beating you to death with a mob. And then they rape your wife and kill your kid anyway and tell you, don't ever think for yourself again or you're going to be killed too. And then they send you out to the wilderness and they... They make you work for 20 out of 24 hours a day in freezing temperatures and you have no shoes on and then you get frostbite and you end up dying of starvation out there too. That's what the wonderful world of global control looks like because we've seen it in the microcosm, in the middlecosm, and that's what the macrocosm is. It's not fear, it's just reality. Uh, you should be afraid of not knowing these things because if you don't know these things, then you're going to be more willing to accept them when they come in the name of equality and justice and peace and better jobs and better equality for women and black people and all the all that's just a scam that is using those people as shields to carry out their agenda it's not good you have to read about it to learn about it or listen to shows like this and if you enjoy shows like this you can find us five nights a week monday through friday on the secret teachings on the fringe fm secret teachings on the fringe fm five nights a week monday through friday TheFringe.fm is the network website. Fringe Fest coming up in October. Don't forget about that. If you enjoy this show, you want to subscribe to our archive to get access to everything, just check out the website, donate, or subscribe with the PayPal link. Sometimes we just do donations so there's not that reoccurring charge. You get access to all the shows. Download and stream them anytime you want, as many as you want. You also get access to the Montage Archive, 
and my digital books on the website. If you want to buy a book separately, though, free shipping in the U.S., Food Philosophy, Occult Arcana, and the Technological Elixir, www.thesecretteachings.info. Contact us at rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay safe, stay informed. It is the birth of the United Nations right here on The Secret Teachings. Stay tuned to The Fringe FM. We'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Thank you.